happening, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and certainly uh, what's happening with these documents, the infamous uh, documents, as far as misplaced, uh, whatever you want to put it. Uh, it's an issue right now. That's where we bring Dr. Holland Allman, uh, whose latest book, The Fifth Horseman and the New Mad, how massive attacks of disruption became the looming uh, existential danger of the divided nation of the world at large. Uh, he has written incredible columns, one coming out today. We'll get into that. Yeah, for mention, Dr. Holland Allman, sir, it is good to have you here as we try and unravel this mess of uh, so-called misplaced documents. How are you? Good, and it is a mess. Um, uh, this is a case of pure American exceptionalism. What other country would have two presidents being investigated simultaneously for mishandling con confidential and classified material? Uh, this is serious. You can't write it off, even though it is a bizarre situation. And it really has to get to how this material is being covered and what are the procedures to deal with making sure that it's kept safe. Uh, I cannot imagine, basically, Jay, as you may or may not know, um, when you get some certain levels of classified material, um, you've got to sign for it. Now, I don't think anybody is going to make a president sign for that material, but it needs to be very much tightly controlled. So at some stage, that material was signed for, and it was really the responsibility of those people, and that's one area that needs to be investigated. But this is serious. You can't make light of it. And quite frankly, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, has got a huge problem, because how do you deal with a situation in which both presidents almost certainly have broken the law? Almost as if Trump had his documents in, in kind of one place, uh, Harlan, whereas uh, Joe Biden had it over at the Penn offices in Washington, the garage in Wilmington, you know, the uh, Corvette right next to it. Yeah. You know, I was quoted in Newsweek, Newsweek uh, and thank you, Newsweek, for listening, but I, you know, I made the point where Son Hunter is a problem with all that's going on with him and his business dealings with adversaries of this country and uh, and all in all living at that residence where these documents were stored he had the same address on his license 2018 and everything else that presents to me a bit of a problem when you think about it yeah I, I would not I, I don't think it really does Jay I think that that's something of an exaggeration Look, it's clear in the case of Donald Trump, Trump wanted those documents. He believed that they were his documents, not the government, and that he had the ability to declassify them, which he did not. I think in the case of Biden, we'll see this is really inadvertent. But whether it was inadvertent or premeditated makes no difference. Those documents, if indeed they were top secret or code words, are very, very sensitive. And no matter the reason, they should never have been there. And one could have really even a larger question here, Jay. If the United States president can't handle these documents, what about other issues of our security? How badly are they being handled as well beyond documents? That's a very, very real question. And I would note it would be very interesting to see how the Republicans would act uh, if it didn't Mike Pence, who was indeed... Uh, found to have these papers amongst his own possession. Uh, 
unfortunately, politics today is filled with hypocrisy, and clearly the Republicans and the Democrats are not acting uh, the same, and obviously they're going to respond to uh, differently, uh, depending upon whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden who's under the gun. But we need to get to the bottom of this because it's serious, and I think it raises even more profound questions about how safe and secure not only our secrets, but other things may be. It's interesting. I'm almost sure if you go into Plains, Georgia, in the home of Jimmy Carter, you'd find something, no? Uh, probably not. Uh, it, it's hard to say. <laughs> because in both cases, there have been presidential libraries established. And all the material was shipped to presidential libraries where there's security. But there is no presidential library yet that's informed, I think, for Donald Trump and certainly not to Joe Biden. Um, but, you know, America is being viewed as the laughing stock. You can imagine how other countries and other leaders are looking at us uh, today over these issues. I mean, this is extraordinary. We're supposed to be a serious country. And if you can't trust the President of the United States with our most sensitive documents, can you trust the United States in other areas? These are things that are being raised, quite frankly, today. If I can, however, talk about inadvertent uh, handling of documents. Uh, in 1996, when Colin Powell was considering whether or not to run for president, I wrote him a five or six page letter, and it was only the original. And when I sent it to him, I said, please, Colin, after you read it, destroy it. About 15 years later, I got a call from a reporter from the Washington Post who was doing a biography on General Powell and said, I wonder if I could talk to you. Sure. And during the discussion, she brought up the topic that in 1996, you said in the letter to General Powell, follow it. But I was curious because I meant it was meant to be a private confidential letter. So I called up Colin and <laughs> I pretended to feign some anger, but I was really quite concerned. And, and Colin was very much taken aback by this and he was very apologetic. And what had happened was, that letter had been filed among his papers. All his papers went to the National War College, where he had his library. It was inadvertent. It was done by one of his assistants, and this thing showed up. And I'm sure the same thing probably happened with Joe Biden, but <clears throat> that doesn't make any difference. That's not an excuse. That should never happen. And we need to go back and make sure that all of our procedures to keep very sensitive material safe and secure are followed no matter who is uh, guilty of mishandling them. So that's all in all. I mean, are we to believe that uh, the visitor logs are not kept, especially when it comes to Joe Biden's residences in Wilmington and Rehoboth Beach? I mean, are we to actually believe this nonsense? Sure. Do you think there are visitor logs at Mar-a-Lago? Come on. Why should a president have a visitor's log at uh, residences that are not the White House? Uh, so I don't think that that's the issue, but I do think <laughs> we need to investigate this very, very carefully because at the very least, it's a huge embarrassment to the country when these things happen. This, this, this is one thing we really don't need. We've got enough crises going on. Uh, this is an extra one that is unnecessary in my judgment. I just think it's ridiculous, though, Holland. I mean, if there was a threat against this country, this president, 
you know, you'd have investigations every which way here. Secret Service, what yep. are they going to say? We don't keep the logs here? We don't know who came yep. and went? I find that ridiculous. Uh, Jay, uh, when I was in the Navy a very long time ago, uh, and in command of a destroyer, anytime we come in or out of harbor, I would say, okay, let's assume we had a collision. Let's do an investigation. And you would be amazed at the number of things that we would find that were wrong and had to be corrected. And so when you examine anything, whether it's an airplane crash or some kind of disaster, you will find that there's just one or two issues that caused the crash. There were many. <clears throat> and I think if we did a, and I say we collectively, the government did an intensive review of security, we would find that it's a system like many, many other systems, the IRS or you name it, that's in constant need of repair and revision. And so in one way, that's important. There are probably billions, billions with a B, pages of classified material. I would say half of it overclassified, maybe more, and 4 million Americans with clearances. That, to me, is a little bit bizarre. Uh, but that's the way the situation is, and... <laughs> It needs a serious top-to-bottom review. Uh, we're probably not going to do that. And, uh, and so <clears throat> the situation will become a political message, you quite rightly pointed out, with no good resolution. Now, in my, one of my columns, I suggested the resolution would be for Merrick Garland uh, to issue a reprimand saying that both presidents broke the law, but in this case, a warning suffices. Now, the issue is different with Donald Trump, because much more seriously is the question of any of anybody having obstructed justice. And I think if there is a case for obstruction, I think that pursuing that is valid. But at this way, at this stage, I think you're just going to have to discipline both presidents with a warning, <laughs> reminding them that it's much more important to be able to safeguard this material. But I don't see how you can take this to court or indict either president, and there's also a question of whether a sitting president can be indicted. My guess is that the answer is yes, but this is something that could be taken up to the Supreme Court and <laughs> create another crisis because it's not going to happen instantaneously. You know, my thing here is what's good for the goose, not for the gander. I mean, how does the DOJ let the president's own lawyers search his resident for classified documents. I mean, come on. Just absolute well, no, lunacy. Wait a minute, Jay. The report is, and I, I'm just reporting what I heard, that the lawyers had, had classified clearances so that that was not an issue, and then they brought people from justice who presumably had, uh, had uh, classified security background. So let's not take this overboard. But quite frankly, with Donald Trump, uh, I beg your pardon. Could not have done that with the Trump situation. Well, the Trump situation is entirely different. Uh, they were trying for a year to get these things. Trump's liar, lawyers apparently lied and, and obstructed that ability. So it's entirely different. But your point is right. You can raise all these questions, most of which can be readily answered. But people are going to be cynical or suspicious, wanting to know what happened. And when you can't give good answers immediately, 
you obviously raise suspicion and make the situation uh, even more critical than it is. But you're right. <clears throat> we don't know. We can surmise. But unless and until there's a major investigation, all these questions are going to be unanswered, and they're just going to raise suspicions that something is wrong. Something is very wrong in the state of Denmark, to quote Shakespeare. Listen, it's the bottom line to me is you got a new Congress in play here. It's the job of this new Congress to get the facts and to hold accountable the executive branch. I mean, that's what it is. And, and for all of us, you know, uh, we're entitled to know what Joe Biden has done here. And uh, it, it appears that, you know, it, it's a prosecutable crime if it is. You know, that might be a moot point here. But in essence, uh, you know, especially with the Justice Department and forbidding the indictment of a sitting president and everything else here, but still, these investigations have to be conducted properly. Bottom line here. Have to be conducted properly. You're absolutely properly. right, David. But here's the larger question. Given that Congress is so politicized, is Congress capable of conducting an objective investigation or will partisanship intervene and question the outcome? For example, Benghazi. You can say whatever you want about Hillary Clinton, but I was on the advisory board for Supreme Allied Commander Europe for a dozen years, and I can tell you absolutely there is no way that we could have brought military force to Benghazi in time to save our ambassador, who shouldn't have been there in the first place. So that investigation, you know, despite her emails and everything else, but the investigation on Benghazi was politically contrived. Now, you can argue that January 6th could have been politically contrived, but I think that was a much more objective uh, investigation. But having said that, anybody is going to be suspicious of one party investigating the other political party simply because they are out to, I think, skew the findings for their own political purposes. And with 2024 around the corner, it is clear whether it's Republicans or Democrats, I would be very suspect of any investigation unless it could be done on a bipartisan basis. And quite frankly, the last time that happened was the 9-11 Commission, which was really done quite well. It was an outside commission, as you will recall, Jay. And guess what? Of the 35 recommendations, two-thirds were rejected. So you can always wonder, even if there is an investigation, does it make any difference? You still have to do your due diligence. Uh, you still have to issue subpoenas if warranted. You have to conduct the hearings. And you have to tune out these so-called prosecutors, you know, who work for Joe Biden. I mean, basically, that's what you have to do. And I agree, but do you really believe, do you really believe the Republicans can be objective in this? Or do you believe the Democrats could be objective in this? And I say that there are huge questions that the American public has simply because our politics are such so divided that these are not done necessarily for the best interest of the country, but they're done for the best interest of the political party. And I say that as a fierce independent because I have no faith or trust or confidence in either the Republican or Democratic Party right now. A final dagger to Joe Biden as far as a 
2024 re-election run, Holland? No. I think very unlikely these stories have a fairly short half-life. There will be some other crisis or something will happen, certainly over the time period. That's why the us forget this or have these events over, overcome by, by other happenstances. So this is still early. This is an embarrassment in a big way for Joe Biden, but I don't think that the wounds are, <laughs> are fatal. They're uncomfortable. Uh, but I think that for him, uh, this is something that uh, will not make much of a difference in 2024. However, comma, uh, it could expose something there, but I think that's unlikely. We'll see, however, at the very least, Jay, this is disastrous for America's standing in the world because we look ridiculous. We look absolutely ridiculous. Two presidents being investigated, mishandling classified material. Now, if you're the prime minister or president of a country, what does that tell you if you want to hold something confidential between you and the president of the United States? Is that going to help the credibility and the legitimacy of a president who is able to keep secrets my guess is that it's somewhat damaging there as well. It's even more damaging as what's happening at the southern border right now, quite frankly, Holland, uh, to me. Well, I agree with you. I mean, look, this country has got lots of crises that neither party has been able to resolve. The debt ceiling crisis is very real. And in this case, I think both parties have a legitimate stand. The Republicans are absolutely right. We're spending too much money. The Democrats are correct that what are you going to cut? And because of the nature of politics today, how do you resolve that profoundly different sense of, of, of opinion? And we probably can't. So this is going to be potentially even a larger crisis, Jay, if we default and default for a substantial amount of time. Uh, and we have defaulted in the past, but never before if we had a $31 trillion debt. Never before, indeed. A couple of minutes remain with Dr. Holland Ullman. Uh, a historic rejection, Dr. Ullman, of the governor's nominee, Kathy Hogel's nominee, for the chief judge, Hector LaSalle. It leaves a message regarding the true goal uh, as far as the state ledge is concerned, and they want somebody that does not want to abide by the law, uh, listen, they made it very clear yesterday, very clear regarding Hector LaSalle and the rejection. Doesn't that send the resounding message that way in your estimation? Well, the question is to whom? Uh, uh, someone like myself, who is very, very knowledgeable, uh, is not following that particular issue. So in New York State, uh, it is a very, very important issue. But I don't think it, it carries much beyond the state, uh, and that would apply virtually to any other state. Now, the George Santos issue of the congressman from Long Island is a different situation because that man committed fraud in being elected. And because it was fraudulent, simply because he lied about himself, uh, I think he needs to stand down immediately from Congress. And my guess is that if the Republicans at a 20-seat majority or so, he would be gone. It's also interesting, if Santos had been a Democrat, how the Democrats would react if they were in the majority. And so, unfortunately, in this particular case, expediency 
overwhelmed principle. And so you now have someone who should not be seated in the House of Representatives, is there for political reasons. And this is a further, <laughs> this is a further smear on the sanctity of American politics. People abroad are wondering, <laughs> how could they maintain having this guy in Congress? That, to me, is a much, much bigger issue. But quite frankly, I cannot uh, talk knowledgeably about what your governor is doing in terms of judges. Uh, at the all-world Harlan Ullman. Uh, yep. We will say this about George Santos. Um, you know, it's getting to the point where you really wonder. I mean, you know, you talk about being in front of the world and everything else. Here you have a sitting United States congressman duping the system as he has. A revelation of alleged nature coming out on a daily basis. You know, the yep. duping of a veteran of $3,000, uh, posing with a drag queen in Brazil. I mean, what is next? How? And I understand Kevin McCarthy and the slim majority and everything. Sure. But for the sanctity of good mental health, how is this allowed to carry on? That's the question right now. A 34-year-old sitting United and, States congressman representing way, a district, a country. I mean, how do you even put him on a committee? How do you put him on a committee? They've already, that's already been done. But the fact is no, I know that. But, if, I mean, if, if you're if McCarthy, how do you carry prepared. on business like this? We agree, Jay, and if the fact that the Democrats were, were in this position, <clears throat> they probably would have done the same thing, which is a condemnation of our political system and our political parties that no longer put principle as the highest standard, but expediency. And whereas that's always been part of politics because of the vicious nature and the division between both political parties and the polarization of this country, this is where we are. Look, if COVID-19 and a million deaths could not rally the country, what will it take to bring this country together? That, to me, is the most critical question your listeners should be asking and trying to answer. It makes no sense that we could be divided on these things, but it just suggests the tremendous flaws and divisions in this country, which are the biggest problem, quite frankly, we face far bigger than Russia or China or Iran, or North Korea, and yet <clears throat> both parties are not making much progress in trying to heal the wounds, no matter how much their leaders say, I'm going to bring the country together, please show me the money, <laughs> show me where that's happening, and it's not. John Holland Allman, the fifth horseman in the new mad, how massive attacks of disruption became the looming existential danger of the divided nation and the world at large. Uh, the aforementioned Harlan Ullman. Keep up the great work. Keep up the great writing, my friend. You too, Jay.